Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnier Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Say all night, don't go home. Say all night, don't go home. Say all night, don't go home. Stay with me till morning. Hey, Justin. Hey, Nate. How you doing? Pretty good. Here we are. Back in your kitchen recording Road to Blue Ox podcast as we're about to launch on our Road to Blue Ox tour today. Very exciting stuff. We're heading down to Mankato tonight to play with our good buddies, Pistol Whip and Party Penguins at the Mankato Brewery. Of course, when you hear this, we will have already played that show and we'll be gearing up for our Milwaukee, Chicago, St. Louis run. So keep your eyes peeled for those dates popping up on our social media. Make sure you come out if you're in those markets. We're ramping up to the Blue Ox Music Festival on this annual Road to Blue Ox tour. As we're recording this, we are two months exactly away from gates opening and bands taking the main stage. Pretty exciting to imagine being back in that wonderful summery green space. Man, summer, I'll tell you what, it doesn't seem like it's ever gonna come, but knock on wood. This year's weather is solid and uh, hope for warmth and always the vibe is warm in the pines, so we don't have to worry about that. We've uh, released the Backwood Stage lineup for both the night and daytime. And then there's one slot left, and that will be the winner of this year's virtual band contest. Thank you, everybody, for submitting your videos. Thank you for voting. It was another year where amazing artists that we've never heard of before submitted some pretty interesting and cool music. Yeah, it's really cool to be able to continue this music discovery through Blue Ox. It just never stops. Yeah, and it was, again, really hard for us as a Blue Ox team to whittle it down to only however many we have to vote upon for the final round. Yeah, we uh, also have solidified our workshop teachers. We're going to have guitar, banjo, mandolin, fiddle, a couple of high 48s, uh, Dave Robinson, Tony Erig again, and our buddy Adam Kiesling is going to be doing the guitar workshop. Yep, and Shansi Ali doing the fiddle workshop on those two will be on Saturday. So look forward to that. Bring your instruments. You know how welcoming and chill it is if you've done it in the past. If you haven't, it's not a space where you need to feel insecure and nervous. It's all about getting the instrument in your hands and playing. Uh, In the past, there's been some interesting jams that have come out of that as well. It's just a great space to hang back in the potluck picking zone. And I'm hoping to wander back there and attend those myself this year, although it's always hard for me to wake up at that hour of the day (laughs) during the festival. Yeah, it's not easy waking up when you've been up until dawn. (laughs) On to dawn. On to dawn. I don't know if you've heard any of our previous podcasts. This is uh, a band that Nate and I have started. We currently have no repertoire, nothing original, nothing covers. Check it out, though. I just downloaded a lap steel app on my phone. Who needs an actual lap steel when you can have a... (laughs) A cell phone lap steel. Dreamy C6 lap steel. (laughs) All right. As for this episode's interview, 
We sat down and chatted with Andrew Altman from Railroad Earth. He came at us from Jersey City, New Jersey, his home there, where he feeds a squirrel from his hand in his in his kitchen. Yes, another National Geographic moment brought to you by Blue Ox. Railroad has a new album coming out today as we record this on April 22nd. It's a new album called All for the Song, which they recorded in New Orleans. We'll be listening to a couple tracks from that new album on this episode as well. Their single, Come and Go Moon, and Nate is going to surprise us with another one that he finds. We chat with Andrew a lot about the production of their new album, and we talk also about what it was like moving forward after the founding member Andy Gosling passed away in October 2018 from cancer. It's always really interesting to dig into a, a musician's past and figure out how they came into this music. But before we get into that interview, we're going to check out, as we always do, some artists who are appearing on this year's stage. I am super stoked to see Humbird this year, one of my favorite local Minneapolis acts. I can't say enough about Siri and her band, her songwriting, her lyricism, her writing. I would highly advise following her on a social media and checking out what she writes. She's an incredible writer. And like I said, I love her songs. We'll listen to a song from Humbird right now. This is entitled Pink Moon for John Prine. Patience is a spell to cast Mine never seems to last Longer than a Midwest sunset Wrapping around this city I'm walking through a purple dusk Trying to clear the cobwebs and the dust of my own mind God, I must have slipped into a slow rust but the pink moon rising to the east Today I was not as kind as I set out to be The pink moon, the bats swing down for bugs to eat I'm so busy doing nothing, watching days melt into weeks friend is on the other line she called to talk instead we cried the pandemic hit and her father died says the greatest gift she got was time it's so hard to breathe with a tight chest while gratitude makes dinner taste the best i'm making new meals out of leftover food so i can sit at the table and stare at you not break in two, but simply bend with the wind and the rain and the dancing stars. Distant suns lighten up the dark. I suppose that's all anyone can do. And if you promise me, I'll promise you to revel in the beauty and howl like a fool. Raise my cup to the big pink moon. 
And that was from Humbird's 2021 recording called Still Life. We also want to give a shout out and a congratulations to Cedric Burnside for his Grammy win. We're going to be checking out some of his music as well. I think fondly of playing with him in Minneapolis at the Butcher and the Boar, that outside event when he joined us on stage on the drums for one of our instrumental songs and it just turned into a freight train. I'll never forget it. Hoping that we can do that again at Blue Ox with him. Yeah, he's a powerful force, man, and a worthy recipient of the Grammy he just got, and a really down-to-earth and cool guy as well, which is always great. Yeah. Of course, he came up you know, playing drums with his grandfather, R.L. Burnside, who's a legendary Mississippi guitarist, but he is a masterful blues guitar player in his own right. Don't miss his set. Let's listen to a tune by Cedric Burnside. Woke up in the morning feeling crazy. I really, really don't know why. Sometimes I don't know what to do. They wipe the tears from my eyes. The Lord for revelation So I can see River Hoping by the end of day I feel a little better But still I keep on Pushing as hard as I can the morning feeling crazy I really, really don't know why Sometimes I don't know what to do To wipe the tears from my eye Ask the Lord for revelation So I can see clearer Hoping by the end of day
follows Keep On Pushing from this year's Grammy Award-winning album in the Best Traditional Blues category, Cedric Burnside's I Be Tryin'. It is such a cool album in which you can really hear how he's the torchbearer for the likes of John Lee Hooker and Lightning Hopkins. It's just really a pleasure to listen to. Can't wait to hang with him at the festival. We're going to get into that interview with Andrew Altman, but first listen to a new railroad track, one called Come and Go Moon from this year's release, All for the Song.
thanks for joining us. You know, we got a few things to talk about. It sounds like you guys have a new album coming out. Yeah, festival season is on the brink. You guys just got off the road a little bit too. So we'll dive into um, some of that stuff. Maybe talk about Hillbury and Hangtown. Where are you right now? Where do you live? I'm, I'm here in Jersey City. Okay. Uh, which is basically in the shadow of New York City. That's a cool piece of art behind you. Art is actually one of my pandemic, well, sort of hobbies, sort of a work thing was uh, I got like a proper camera, you know, because, you know, when, when the shows went away, we thought we were all going to make content. <laughs> and, uh, right. So I got a good camera to do that. And, uh, you know, I ended up, we also like rescued a squirrel. So I just ended up taking videos of a squirrel and my daughter and not music. And it was one of the things I did was I took like, this is like street art from my neighborhood. This is uh this is like on a building, but I took like oh, four cool. pictures and stitched them together. That's cool. Had to print it on canvas. Yeah, so it's like four by four square of street art, I guess, from Jersey City where I live. Welcome to the Heights. It makes a pretty great video chat background. I live in Jersey City Heights, so. Oh, I bet there's a lot of great street art around there. All right, so let's just dive in a little bit. Well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your role in Railroad and um, how long you've been in the band. Are you a founding member? No, uh, I am the longest tenured (laughs) bass player, I guess. I mean, I I joined in 2010. I mean, I've been in the band like 12 years. Okay. Yeah, the the band started like 2001, so it's been a pretty solid run. At this point, I'm an equal member of the band, you know. So yeah, I mean, obviously I play, I play bass. When I joined the band, basically from the beginning, the idea was for it to be an inclusive thing. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so over the course of years, you know, some of my songs made it into the catalog and, and that kind of stuff, you know, it's still, it's mostly Todd's material. Yeah. Um, that was the intention from the beginning of the band was sort of centered around his songs. Although he didn't actually start the band. It was uh, Andy and Tim were kind of having jam sessions with North Jersey musicians. And they had they actually had a uh, a friend of theirs who was a manager looking to put together a project or he was a booking agent at the time. And so they they had the they were like putting together a project, you know, and like having jam sessions. And like I said, they met John, Carrie. And Dave Von Dolan, the original bass player, and it was sort of coming together. And they're like, oh, we we should, we need someone that's like, I mean, Tim, everyone in the band writes songs and stuff, you know. Um, but they were like, we need another singer, another songwriter. Mm-hmm. And Todd happened to be sort of between projects. He had had a pretty successful band before from Good Homes, which was more like pretty big Jersey thing. Okay. They were on RCA with Dave Matthews and all that stuff. But oh, wow. timing just worked out, you know. Yeah. At any rate, years later. Sure, sure. Uh, you share the same position as Justin does in our band. You also share squirrel affinity with Justin. Yeah, I've come yeah, to learn. I can't believe you're feeding that squirrel from hand. Is it like live in your house or what? No, sort of. Well, the, the timing isn't good right now for squirrel content. You guys missed her by about three, four hours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she comes into that. I mean, she doesn't live in the house. Okay. But we, we rescued it during the pandemic as like, it was a juvenile. Like it wasn't a, a baby, but it was, it was like struggling. It was out in the street, like starving. Uh-huh. And uh, so we like caught it and brought it in, put it in like a bin for just a day or two 
while it like got its strength back. And then we put the sort of the bin on the back porch and it's just sort of lived near the house ever since. Like it made a nest at one point That's near the house. And now it still lives nearby. I can't see where it goes. It, go, it goes over this fence back here, but it comes by every day. And like, if I open the door, it'll walk in the house, you know, and like, where's, where's breakfast? <laughs> where's dinner? And then if I hand food to it, it's like, thank you. And then it'll eat and leave. You can kind of pat it if you're careful, you know, otherwise it'll definitely just bite the shit out of you. <laughs> That's, That's brave. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh man. Yeah. No, it's it got crazy. I have I have an internet connected motion camera. I have an internet connected pet feeder for when I'm out of town. There's a whole thing. It's a full on pet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's cool. <laughs> well, I was listening to some of your solo album. Is that something you've have you produced music for quite a while, or is that also a pandemic project? Or oh, uh, which one? The most recent collaborative thing, the moment. Yeah, yeah, that was like. I mean, I guess I started writing songs like probably thirteen, fourteen years ago to keep myself inspired. I guess because you know I went to college for jazz, and uh, I you know I, I really maybe you guys can identify with this whatever journey your career arc took, but you know it, it takes you ten years to reach uh, like technically speaking on your instrument the facility that you're better than 90 percent of people out there like technically you know what i mean it would take you another 10 years to reach that next 10 percent to just be that person that's like holy shit i can't believe like you know what i mean the stuff they play it's also like it's like inversely proportional income wise you know like <laughs> at least in jazz it's like the better you get the probably the less money you're gonna make because <laughs> You're, what you're playing is so hard that no one understands it except with people with, with degrees in jazz. Yeah. So I, I, th- that was just my own mental crossroads I came to. It, it was like my quarter life crisis. Right. I was like heading down a road playing music that very few people understood. And as a consequence, you know, career choices were becoming limited. <laughs> right. But in about that time, I was getting into bands. I played in the Code Talkers, you know. I mean, I grew up listening, like when I was a teenager, I listened to jam bands. You know, I was way into fish and stuff like this when I was like in high school. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to make it professionally, it's like you can't listen to one band. <laughs> like your entire sphere of influence can't be a single band. So I kind of put it away when I was 18 and like really got deep into jazz world. But when I had opportunities to like play in jam bands in my mid twenties, I was like, yeah, this, you know, I get, it's like improv, like jazz, but songs and people get it. And, you know, so I started writing songs a little bit to just give myself, I mean, admittedly, I'd run out of stuff to stay inspired on the bass. I'm not, I'm not going to learn like John Coltrane solos on the bass to go play like mid tempo funk jam rock. It, It just was like, it wasn't inspiring me, you know? So it was like, this is a new challenge. Let's write songs and try to improve as a singer and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's always been there as sort of a hobby. I'd never had a desire to be like, I'm going to start the Andrew Altman band or anything. Right. Yeah. So do you have a song on the new album or is it all Todd's material again? Yeah. One of, one of my tunes is on there. I actually have, I have a co-write that I did with Todd and I have a, a tune of mine that was, it's actually like one of the first songs I ever wrote. Probably it was like from, 13, 14 years ago that I've never released that like made sense for this batch of material. Yeah. Okay. I always like viewed my role. as like, it's always like, let's see what, what Todd has. And then let's see what we need. Like how can, cause there's, there's a bit of, sometimes there's a bit of a tension when you have one person, at least in our group. I mean, every group's different. You have groups where there's one person who's dying to have it be all their thing. They don't want to play anyone else's music. Right. I like the dynamic that we have with Todd in a way. I mean, there's, there's moments of stress where like, it's like, okay, 
everyone knows, including him, that it's going to be mostly his songs, which is uh, good for him because he likes playing his songs. But it can also be bad for him because when it's time for a record, it's, if he doesn't have a bunch of songs ready, it's like, uh, hey, dude, you got some more. songs? And he's like, no, I don't. And then you're like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, and I understand he gets, he can get frustrated with that. And I, and I get it, you know, cause then it's like, now there's pressure on him to come up with this stuff. So sometimes I try to help out in that way and be like, well, look, here's, here's stuff that I have. If it works, you know, cool. If not, whatever. And, or I, you know, I took the approach this time of like putting together some just like musical ideas of things that are typically that he doesn't do. Yeah, in spot, you know what I mean. Yeah, we, we always know he's going to come with some great mid-tempo, personal things in and um, ballads. You know, he's always going. That stuff is, I feel, probably going to come the most naturally. Mm-hmm. So I came up. I had some things that were maybe a little more up-tempo, or maybe or or had different things that happened key signature-wise or meter-wise. And I just, you know, go to his house and be like, hey, check these things out. If you like any of them, take it and see what happens lyrics wise. That's great great collaboration there. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of thrive on that as well. Um, You know, I would say that we all we all bring songs to the table, but we all write in different fashions. And it's really nice to be able to present things to the others and, and just see what they do with it. You know? Yeah. It's pretty unique dynamic. I mean, I've never been in a in a band like that where it's mostly one person's material, but they are not like the band leader. Right. You know, it's still just like everyone's band. You know, he's he, he's not like arranging rehearsal and and walking in like, all right, here's the song. No, I need your baseline to be more boobity boppity boopity instead of zippity zappity zing or whatever. You know, <laughs> he's just like, here's this song that I wrote you know, I have six or seven songs Mm -hmm. and then it's up to the rest of us to either like, you know, John, he writes instrumentals. So we'll have usually like an instrumental. Tim writes songs too. There'll usually be a song from Tim. And then we also try to come up with sort of collaborative things where we may be like jamming or something. And maybe Todd gets something from that, turns it into a song, you know. I feel like that vibe kind of comes out on stage when, when you're watching you guys too. It's like, it's very, it's very evident that you guys work well together and it's like a really collaborative thing. And it's just it's always such a good vibe. It works. Yeah. I mean, it definitely works. I've grown used to it. I mean, I've just been burned in the past by being in bands that are like, it's like a band leader. Cause it always comes down to this thing of like, it's their thing. And you're just like hired help and you're just at the whim of whatever, like, yeah, you know, I've worked with some great singer songwriters, guitar players. And when you're playing their awesome music and and being a part of it and it's fun and you enjoy it. And then it's like, okay, you're also subject to like when they don't want to work and when they don't, whereas it's like when it's a band, those things balance out, you know? Yeah, the, yeah. I think they call that the diva syndrome really, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which can, like you said, it can be like brilliance and madness sort of all combined. Yeah. I always remember being in Chicago at the House of Blues and we were playing the small room and we got to go eavesdrop on Steve Vai's soundtrack and just watch the puppet master in action as he was, you know, and that was the rehearsals right before their gig at the House of Blues. And it's kind of like, oh, man, that was really cool. And I'm glad I'm not in that band. <laughs> yeah. 
mean, and it's and it's like that music kind of requires that. Okay, your shred guitar requires a flamboyant, ego-centered front yep, person. Absolutely. Whereas like if you're gonna be in like Americana, newgrass, folk jam, whatever, which is that that was the intention when the band started. And at the time, this is true. There's like there's not really a great band, newgrass, bluegrass, song centric. There's either great instrumental shreddy jam grass or there's like what was becoming americana and they really wanted to try to to have that nice balance of both fast technically challenging music but also like poignant songwriting and all of it living together and at the time that didn't really i mean who was really doing it maybe cheese you know at least in like the jammy sort of world right you know, yeah there wasn't a lot of it anyway no um, it, definitely not i mean there was like nashville centric things like newgrass revival i mean they had already kind of come and gone i think right, that's like a history thing like at that point because everything kind of came back around again in the in the aughts you know and it all rebuilt and now here yeah. we are were down in new orleans to record this album how did you end up there and maybe you can talk about the new record and the production of it and sort of what the feeling was is this the first album without andy also uh well uh, a little bit of yes and no he's actually on one of the songs because oh, really? one of the things we brought in was i mean yes it's it's the first one after he passed that we re-recorded after he was gone okay we he passed in october 2018 and mm -hmm. we were going to do this session in like January 2019. So yeah, it was like super recent. And yeah. this plan had been in place while he was still alive. This band has actually never done a destination record in its entire career. It's always been so busy with tour dates that I think no one's ever felt like, let's take another week or two away from home. It's always been what I call commuter work. <laughs> like Days in the studio are like, get there by whatever time and then go home at whatever time. And, you know, you're sleeping in your own bed. And yep. there's something to be said for that from a lifestyle standpoint, but it's not it's not my favorite from a creative standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Because you're all, you're, you're either looking at the clock or there's stuff in the background mentally you know you're like well i gotta get home because like people some of us that have kids you know it's like oh well, i gotta be home to do this and that and or i gotta get up even when i didn't have kids it was like i lived in the city and it was like two or three hour commute on transit and i'm like i gotta get that train or it's gonna be and, you know i was during last of the outlaws i was commuting like four to six hours each day just on top of recording i mean it was, yeah, yeah that's draining man yeah whereas uh yeah you can really just be focused mentally on 
the creative process. Yeah. So like in, in New Orleans, did you guys have like a, a apartment that was by the studio or did the studio, like you got to stay there? Yeah. Or? Yeah. A, a quaint little um, 10, 12 story apartment called the Hampton Inn. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, we, we stayed in a hotel right downtown and, and went to, we recorded at the parlor, this, this studio there. We, I think we ended up in New Orleans cause um, our um, manager is also managers, yeah, Anders Osborne. And so this was kind of his idea to put us together. Anders had done some producing. Uh, I don't know if you guys know him. I'm not familiar with his work. I mean, I read a little bit about him when I was doing research on y'all. Yeah, he's 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 definitely been around a while. He's definitely a, a songwriter's songwriter. I mean, like that's what he lives for. His band, when you see him live, it's like high energy. It's more like, a, it feels almost like a rock thing. But what he loves is playing guitar and writing songs, regardless of how rocking they may be or <laughs> whatever he's he's been like a co-writer on some like number one country hits okay. just a really creative dude so obviously there was like the idea came from our manager you know yeah. like hey work with him let's go to new orleans and we're like all right i mean we didn't have a better idea trying to shoot for anything else would have been like either prohibitively expensive or logistically impossible or whatever the bands work with producers before it's like varying degrees of success yeah some of it's been great some of it's been yeah you never kind of know so this seems to be a a successful experience in the in the outcome this was yeah yeah. i I think we all agreed pretty unanimously that 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 it was a positive experience as much as any of us ever like a record this this is up there you know it's always tricky when you make i don't know if you guys this will be interesting because i don't know if you guys go through this too where like you know you make a record and you put in all this work and and it's like every experience comes out different because maybe the recording process was great but then you get to the mix phase maybe the mix wasn't done the way you liked it personally feel like i don't like that record (laughs) even though the mix is like still professional and a listener isn't going to be like well, you know, it's like a little bright for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, I hear everything. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Whereas I've had records where like that railroads made that I wasn't even on that I like because I like the songs and I thought the mix was great and whatever, you know, or maybe the final product came out great, but all you remember is the commuting for six hours or yeah something. right right so maybe someone got in a fight with someone and all you remember is that not the music or like you know what i'm saying you know i totally yeah. for sure this one's good though everyone's like everyone is, is happy with with what's come together that's great i mean from what i've heard it sounds great like sonically it seems broader <laughs> too yeah you throw in a bit of that new orleans horn section and uh yeah that was the idea you know let anders bring some people in he heard something that could work with a song and also you have you know an upright piano like ready to go in the studio i mean tuned up in a grand too you know there's like two different piano john plays piano john's a great pianist actually so if we're like hey let's have piano on something you can just go do it instead of being like oh maybe we should overdub some piano later and then maybe it doesn't happen or maybe it's not as cool because the moment's passed, you yeah. know, you're trying to make it a placeholder instead of make it part of the song, things like that. Yeah. So did you have the songs kind of set or was there a lot of creative activity in the studio or? Going down there, we had to know the songs that were going to be done because it's like limited time when you're right. like booking plane tickets and studio time. You're oh, like, right. if we don't get it, we ain't getting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we did have a collection of songs. I mean, I don't think we even got the demos for most of them until like 
days before. Like I remember on the plane listening to demos. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't have got them that early. So there's definitely a bit of that. We'd heard all of them, I think, but there was definitely some of them hadn't really been arranged fully. So there was a bit of that, like some there was some hotel room woodshedding going on between sessions. No, once we left the studio, it was all food, drink, <laughs> sleep. It was there was no practice at the hotel. We, we but we did it at the studio. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to New Orleans to sit in a hotel room. <laughs> <hell no. laughs> No. I, I feel like I would be so distracted in New Orleans. <laughs> like, are we done with this? Are we done with this yet? I got I got things to do. That's why we had to get it done, you know, uh, in the studio. Because, yeah, we're like going out to eat, you know, stop at the bar, maybe check out some music. Yeah, I mean, it didn't get like wild and crazy or anything, but that's my favorite. I mean, I grew up in North Florida, so I went to New Orleans all the time. It's one of my favorite nice. cities in, in the whole country. I was actually working on a cruise ship playing bass out of new orleans when hurricane katrina hit oh shit yeah i actually lost my first upright base sort of in the uh, or no 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 uh my the the car that i drove there i lost in the <laughs> in the hurricane and then i got an upright oh base God. out of it it's a whole crazy story that's wild yeah different episode maybe yeah you can tell us at blue ox yeah i feel the same way about new orleans though it's like a spirit city for me i i've always wanted to live there and get there whenever i can maybe a pertinier album should be we should have a destination recording session down highly recommend i'll produce it for you <laughs> <laughs> yes andrew thank you <laughs> yeah i work real cheap if it's new orleans yeah right <laughs> you know what i mean this is vacation Food and housing, please. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were running to the gate Cause the shuttle had us late But the overhead was blinking the news There's a three more hour delay You won't be making it today We're waiting out a storm A plane is flying in a crew It's over You guys have kind of been ramping up your touring here, kind of post-pandemic now. You've you've done a few swings, or what has traveling been looking like for you guys lately? We've been trying, but yeah, I mean, it's still like it, it was tough, man. We're 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 trying to like we're still trying to get our feet under us because like we were supposed to play like our biggest New Year's shows in probably 10, 12 years. And it all it all got canceled. It was like Omicron came. We we lost we lost an epic amount of winter shows like probably half of the income we had coming was probably wiped out and we had a couple yeah. tours fall apart a couple runs of winter tour fall apart new year's fell apart it's it's been actually like not good from a business standpoint but the shows we have done have been cool i mean people are like people are coming out vibes are good the band sounds great you know vibes are good in that respect and and, and at least uh summer is 
I think things are just end up sort of getting moved, not rescheduled, but just like cosmically, I guess, because we're having now we're gonna have like the busiest summer we've probably ever had. Sure. It's it's working out, I guess. I was wondering, you guys are part of uh Hillbury and Hangtown. Like to what degree are you involved in those festivals and like are you are you booking them? Are you just like kind of playing host are you like doing all the production side or no it's definitely like a host situation the promoters can always count on us to be there as uh, as a one of the headliners every year and we help give uh feedback with lineup choices and stuff and 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 also being the host we you know we put in a little more effort promotion wise than you would on some other festivals where they're just like you show up and play and where they're not asking any more of you because there's a million artists and you know we definitely have like invest an interest in making the sure the show does well so we try to come up with special things we can do to promote it and stuff yeah it's i mean still very fun to be a part of and just yeah hanging out meeting all the bands i mean that's one of the things i love about blue ox is just like bringing everybody in and you guys kind of play a little bit of that role of blue ox don't you yeah we do a lot of the back of house production you know all the artist relations and the the booking we share, but we, we primarily, we primarily do that as well. Um, mm-hmm. We work, we work with the festival owners and our partners on some of that. And then they kind of take care of the campground logistics and like the ticketing logistics, which, which is great. Cause if we had to deal with that, that'd be a nightmare. Well, there's a reason that that's its own job, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and even being in a band is enough of a financial risk. You can't afford to like, <laughs> one bad year and, and you're like your band's done you know right. <laughs> on top of the festival and right yeah it's it's tough i mean promoters who really get into the business and do well are, are prepared to have a year or two that are struggle or there's a down year for whatever reason i mean i can't imagine being a festival promoter i mean it's 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 a different it's a different game than being in a band yeah you have to be kind of born into that mold i think yeah None of us in the band are cut out for it, so we're pretty lucky that we're able to team up with people who are. That's our situation, too, with Hangtown and Hillberry. Yeah, our, our buddies Arkansas. Are you familiar with Arkansas? They're the Hillberry Pert, you know? They're, they they're, are. Yeah. Like, it's basically heaven on earth. <laughs> I was like, that's great, man. We're fucking, I can't wait to get to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before we let you go, maybe we just, uh, I like mixing it up a little bit. In the past, we've done like a lightning round of questions where I put you on the spot, but this round is a little different. There's a radio program here in town on my favorite radio station, KFAI, and it's called Desert Islands. And the host basically invites his guests to, well, he curates a whole show based on their 10 Desert Island albums. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I understand that this is, an, an, it's no small feat to to name a few of your desert island albums but maybe fish a couple things out of you so if just what pops in your head i guess is what i'm saying oh i got you i mean there's definitely been a handful of like formative records like when i heard them it changed the way i looked at things or thought of things mainly either be a lot of it be because of like the time i heard them like when i was in eighth grade and playing trombone in school band and i heard pearl jam 10 i mean it could have been nirvana never mind it could have been so it could have been any of those records, but that one, for whatever reason, I was like, in a, you're at a time in your life where it's like, uh, you know, what are you going to do for a living? I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. You listen to this music and you're like, I feel amazing. Yep. Why wouldn't I do this every day? <laughs> you know, in the most like naive possible way. I'm like, oh, be a musician. 
you know yeah it sounds fun and easy so so like that record you know and then when i was really trying to challenge myself musically in college uh bill evans explorations that was the first jazz record that i connected to like emotionally like its mood was like so sublime that sure. it like you know what i mean i, I yeah. really like, connected with it spiritually and then it opened up that door for me to understand jazz emotionally not just technically yeah. um songs wise you know there was a time after college uh the bright eyes record i'm wide awake it's morning okay. really like got me back out of music as technical and instrumental and i mean like i said i mean i connected with jazz emotionally but lyrically like letting lyrics really affect you that was one of those records that like just the timing was right you know like everything he says on that record and the i'm just like oh man like i'm feeling this you know after that you know like wilco sky blue sky kind of brought together a lot of those things uh nice. the um yankee hotel fox trot yeah i think like i feel like wilco is we're, we're living in a great era um that they'll go down it's like i mean for me they just get grander, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of some that really I got into in the last decade. I mean, it's different when you get older. There's not, there's records that I really, I got into, but it's not like they changed my life, but like, I listened to Daft Punk a little bit when I was in college, but like when Random Access Memories come out, I, play, I played that one a million times. Some of the Avid Brothers early stuff, I played a bunch. Phoenix, um, when they were popular. Yep. Maybe they still are. I don't know. Some, some stuff I get into and then I kind of move on. Like I'm not in the mood anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah right. Um, yeah. No, that totally happens too. I get that. The railroad earth of course is a Jack Kerouac reference. Do you have a favorite Jack Kerouac book? Uh, I read on the road. So okay. I've got one that I read. <laughs> yeah, that's the one then uh, I'm with you. I've read too many of them. I love Jack Kerouac. So I, I've always appreciated the band name in that regard. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're really looking forward to having you guys back. You always put on such a great show, and the audience always just loves you guys. So it's yeah, likewise, man. I remember yeah, well, the first time I heard you guys. You know, I was like, you "Guys, Mark and Blay." Well, we'll walk we'll up with you backstage and hang out. Yeah. And uh, man, festival season's on the way. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Andrew. Great chatting with you. All right, thanks again for tuning in to our interview with Andrew Altman of Railroad Earth. Make sure you check out their new album. Don't miss their set at the festival. Make sure you share this episode with any of your friends who might be interested to hear it. Thanks for supporting live music. Can't wait to see you all in person in the pines. We love you. Cue lap steel.